0: Welcome to Public Cloud for Public Good, a podcast talking about cloud sustainability and how we can use public cloud services to make the world a better place. Today I'm talking with Arthur Farouk on something that's slightly different. Uh, We're not going to be covering Climate sustainability, but looking more at sustainability of tech in terms of diversity, in terms of community building, and basically how we work in tech. So, uh, Arthur is a lifelong community builder, a co-founder and CEO of Muslimic Makers, which is a community that helps the next generation of Muslim change makers uh, level up across the tech industry and beyond. She is also an angel investor as part of Ada Venture Angels program. Uh, she started as a scout to help find uh, underrepresented founders or communities and uh, businesses doing work in tech that are underrepresented and then progressed into an angel investor in there as well. So she's doing a lot to help people into tech and help new businesses start in tech and tackle some new and diverse challenges. Thank you so much for joining me today, you know, Arthur. We worked together about four years ago on on cross-government product communities. You're still in that community space in lots of different ways within NHSX Digital and with Muslimic Makers and, you know, even doing some workshops now with, with some of us civil servants. So why don't we just touch on that and community building and, and why you've kind of landed in that space?
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Um, so yeah, I think community building is a super interesting one because When I kind of look back on my many years on this earth, I realised that I was actually doing community building from a very young age. So, i.e. when I was in school, I was like part of the school council, I was part of youth boards to help kind of, you know, the Olympics in terms of young people being involved in the regeneration of East London because that's where I was from. But actually, when I look back on it, I'm like, wow, I was always a community builder. The really interesting thing was this career part didn't really exist until a couple of years ago. So, um, yeah, nearly what, three, four years ago when I came across that role at GDS, which was about actually um, building the product and delivery management communities across government, I was like, oh, I could be paid to do this. Now, on the side, I was building Islamic Makers, which is kind of a community for Muslim change makers working in and around the tech scene. So I was doing community stuff as like a fun hobby, mm. and then realized, oh, I could get paid to do it as yeah. a day job. That on a stage, of, and I think ever since that, it kind of just made me really hone in on my expertise and realize that this is the thing that I would want like to do. Yeah, and it's been really fascinating watching the community industry actually take off. Over literally, I would say last year, it really took off, where all of a sudden there were so many goals and so mm. many like interesting things happening in that space. It does feel
0: like that. It's like almost everything I've interacted with over the last three years, several months later is like, here's our community now. So I've got like 20 Slack channels for various different things, but everyone's sort of realizing the power of community. And I think it's interesting in in, in some ways that we're almost just catching up to the way humanity works really is, is that, you know, we are more powerful in communities. The whole point that we live in communities, we, we grow up in communities, is that we can support each other and, and lean on each other's expertise. And it's interesting, I always find these things so useful when you just have that really weird question that pops up in your back of your mind and you just throw it into a Slack channel and mm-hmm. more likely than not, you'll find something. Whether it is an answer or just a great conversation or even just an opportunity. I have found community stuff really interesting, you're right. It feels as though it's been the last few years. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's and I think
1: Industry wise as well, like I a, a great example is going on LinkedIn jobs, right? I remember just even two years ago, I was looking for my next role, I was figuring out what before in government, not to stay in government. But the hardest thing I always found was when I looked at community roles, it used to always basically need social media, like a social mm. media manager was known as a community manager. Mm. So the type of community building I do is kind of very in-person. It's about capability building, learning, that kind of stuff. I never used to find that kind of stuff. Mm. Now I go on LinkedIn jobs and literally I can see five jobs already that I could apply for tomorrow. And that to me is just like the signal that, wow, like where before I used to find it so hard to find the kind type of job that I want to do Mm. now everybody and anyone is, like, looking for a community or a community builder or something like that. And I think it's only taking off now with Web3 as well and NFTs and, and mm. you know, uh, DAOs and all that type of stuff as well. Like, it's it's becoming more and more, like, about the communities. Um, sometimes it's a bit annoying. Sometimes I feel like, you know, people are also using community as a way to be like oh we're a community focused company it's just a thing they add on and it's not that's not how communities work
0: i think the the true test will be time to be honest you know whoever's creating these communities or building or setting up slack channels if it's actually still there in a year's time and it's adding value it'll be there but if it's just half past, or it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a different word for external marketing or, or whatever else they're trying to do, then it obviously won't survive. And, you know, I think you, you've touched on a few things really in, in terms of, you know, Muslimic makers uh, and, and also mentioned something we haven't talked about already is is, is your role in Ada Ventures is yeah. like, you know, identifying and kind of working with people who, who, who are community builders, like, you know, you've got Black Tech Twitter, you've got all these other things. And and they're sort of like I'm not saying gatekeepers in terms of like allow approve access, but it's allowing existing organisations to get access and insight and actually stop putting money where its mouth is and funding yeah. these things to say actually yeah. we value it, we think building these communities will add benefit to us or the country or our industry, uh, and, and more people are doing it now. Yes,
1: yeah, so I think specifically with individuals is a really interesting one because they're, they're obviously a VC and. I was acting as a scout for them before they even became a fund check Warner, who I've met before. Yeah, you know, they were really keen in kind of putting money in kind of underrepresented communities where people were building interesting startups or working Mm. in niche markets or or whatever because these people don't get the funding. But what they actually recognised a couple of years down the line was, okay, cool, we have this scout network, but actually we should actually fund the people who are the builders mm. to actually invest because these people actually don't have the capital. So mm. actually it it means, you know, so literally last year I've kind of gone through an angel investing actually experience, which has been really interesting as well, because, you know, where I before used to work with founders in my community and I could kind of, you know, help them and work with different things, I actually now I was in a position to invest in them. And that to me actually was fascinating because from my own personal development point of view, all of a sudden I had to really kind of uh, get right with my numbers, mm. start to understand a bit more in terms of how funding works in the PC world, et cetera. But by obviously doing it part of the aid of family, and in a sense, they've given me some capital to deploy, it mm. was a really fortunate and privileged position to be in. Um, I think I'm now nearly on my last check, actually. Yeah. Um, so I've invested in probably four startups so far, two I'm currently just going through the process with, and I'll probably have one more left to do. And that's cool, like, you know, considering, like, from a working class background, et cetera, yeah. to now actually have a portfolio of startups, you know, it's a it's pretty, it's a pretty, like, wow, like, how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> I remember during the pandemic, I tried to do some... Um, Shares investing and that kind of stuff will work out for me well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, <laughs> you, so you, just, you wanted to try it all. You're like, right, that's it. I've made it. It's time for age yeah, investment. Well, it's time to stocks and shares. We're
1: <laughs> just learning that actually, you know, where I come from, you're not really taught how to go further with your money. Right, mm, you're taught definitely. how to save. Yeah, and saving it doesn't get you anywhere. Right, you need to be smart with your money and mm. um, and investing. obviously, investing comes with high risk and all that type of stuff. But if you learn to invest in different funds or different, you know, ISAs or whatever it is that you need to do, then actually you can make your money
0: work Work for you, basically. Yeah.
1: So I think it's absolutely like a real lesson for me as well.
0: It's an interesting sort of concept, really. And and obviously I don't know the full details of of how all the money flows and where it comes from originally and stuff. But, you know, Ada basically saying, actually, we're going to try and break this cycle because – you know, so commonly in, in, in the world of venture capitalist funding or, or, or whatever else, we, we just gravitate toward people who are like us, therefore more white guys end up with more money in tech and, and more white boards uh, the ones getting invested in. But actually that doesn't correlate to performance or, you know, to outcomes or, or, or to ideas that we actually need. Like, you know, you think about stuff – that is outside of tech and I'm just kind of pulling back as well, but like, you know, I think there was a massive thing around swim caps that actually were just larger to, to fit in female women's hair and black women's hair in particular, which was, you know, that sort of like not serving these communities in business has just yeah. been an overlooked sort of concept for a long time, you know, actually matching makeup to skin colors, like who gives a crap we have enough white women, therefore. And it's like yeah. we're opening up markets when you actually involve these people from these communities who have business ideas because they have either dealt with the same troubles or know where those opportunities are. And it definitely. it it is definitely something we should, we should do more often. And I think, you know, before we we start recording this podcast, you know, the reason why I'm not just sort of, you know, talking today in particular around just, you know, environmental sustainability and and, and cloud computing and, and everything else is because that is all intertwined. Like an interesting thing I read only three days ago on LinkedIn is that more diverse boards do better on climate. So they are actually more likely, up to 20% more likely, um, I think it was saying, of meeting their climate goals, uh, of, of reducing carbon emissions, whatever that company has set basically when there's more diverse views on the board. And it's interesting because I was also listening to another podcast uh, and, and I would definitely recommend it to our listeners. And, and you've you know, heard of it, it's called The Unfairer Sex. Um, so it's set up by a, a woman called Rhiannon Lawson and her three friends um, who are kind of women in tech, law, and other industries basically talking about how unfair a lot of this is. Uh, and it's been a really great podcast. But one of the things they touched on is that actually – women will feel more of the impact of climate change over the next x number of years whether that's due to in in certain countries women are actually the majority farming communities uh left at the farms i guess and and working from home with children around them rather than men going out to work elsewhere or or moving into more modern industries and it's interesting that it's like, you know, you've got, maybe that's what it is. You've got skin in the game. Maybe, maybe a lot more women have more climate anxiety because you end up mm. worrying about kids more often. Therefore, you want to take, tackle it. And, you know, that's definitely something I relate to. And, and I've talked about on this podcast before is that, you know, it feels like we do need to start doing more. <laughs> you've got a really, really long list. And you're a bit like me on LinkedIn in terms of filling everything out um, and, and having a wonderful description of every job that you've ever done ever since. College uh, exactly the same as me. Any other highlights that you sort of you know? How else did you get to this this position where you are now? What were the, the yeah, things
1: that helped you? I would say one of my other highlights was um, in 2017 I got um, awarded a, a Winston Churchill uh, Fellowship, and this is a, where basically they fund UK citizens to like uh, research anything and go around the world. And I decided to kind of research Muslim women in tech or like how to get more Muslims into tech. Because at that time, I'd start just started Muslim makers. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I was finding is when I was curating my meetups, I ended up with like, a lot of male Muslim panels. Mm-hmm. And it was like this kind of weird kind of intersection of like trying to figure out. And I was like, where are the Muslim women? When I would hit Google, I would like see so many like amazing like Muslim women in tech in America. Obviously, got some family there. So I was like, okay, that's really interesting. But then what was even more fascinating was like Eastern countries like Pakistan, UAE, uh, where, you know, they might be considered backwards in certain regards, but actually, you know, they had women who were going into software engineering more, going to engineering world more than the Western world, actually. Mm. So where the Western world might be like turning their nose up at them, thinking, oh, you know, these are poor oppressed women, etc. Mm. Actually, these women were way ahead of the game of being in regards to kind of like tech and engineering and that mm. kind of educational space so I was really kind of fascinated in terms of trying to kind of understand like what is it that these countries or these people etc are doing so I went on this um little journey up uh, you know in America like some UAE where I kind of recorded um kind of vlogs and videos kind of all on my youtube channel mm. of kind of interviews with these women um also kind of of my own kind of travels through that process uh you know in pakistan where my family comes from that was really fascinating because i had never seen pakistan from that lens normally i would go to pakistan and i would be with my family but this was mm. the first time i was hanging out with like the Pakistani young people and like you know, understanding over how what they're doing in the tech scene, and I mean, just the sheer pack, the Pakistan tech scene now is taking off, and it's getting a lot of actually um, Western uh, capital money is mm. finally being channeled in Pakistan. But that was really fascinating. Now, back in 2017, yeah, when it was very in its early days of startup culture, and I was seeing all these kind of women working on some interesting stuff, men working on interesting stuff. Now it's finally kind of getting the money that it kind of needs. Um, as well, and I just think like that experience of kind of hanging out with tech for good organizations, or Muslim women, etc. one it was personally very inspiring and motivating for me because mm. I was finally seeing myself represented because working in the tech scene, you know I started in the tech scene. Probably 2012, very early non tech scene. Very I think
0: it, it's kind of crazy, though. You had to go almost out to America, <laughs> UAE, and, and Pakistan to go and find yourself represented in.
1: Yeah, tech. right, basically. <laughs> and uh, and that's why we started the silent makers because we knew there were more of us, and it was just yeah. about kind of you know bringing uh, bringing people under the, the same kind of roof. So I think you know all of that. It, it was just all very kind of really interesting, very inspiring for me personally. Kind of like I said, motivating but also kind of gave me kind of thoughts and best practices mm. in terms of what organisations were doing so that I could kind of apply to the makers and the makers' growth kind of going forward.
0: That's really interesting. And, and, and it's an interesting thing that I've seen before in terms of this idea that, okay, in the West... Tech is very male-dominated. It's macho. You know, you you prioritize certain roles as like software developers as the superstars, and all these other things that come alongside it. Where business analysis or user research is seen as like over,ed almost as well. And actually, those softer roles are actually more likely to be filled by people who, who aren't men but the interesting thing i've found is, is working with uh, remote uh, teams of software developers particularly with team i've worked with several times in albania over the last few mm-hmm. years is that they're all women like honestly yeah. like other than the one graphic designer on the team every single software engineer at this company when i was working with them was a woman and the lead tech that's, leader that's
1: so fascinating right because you're right yeah. the opposite here
0: yeah you know, and
1: they're working with very all male heavy teams and I, I think there's a lot to say in terms of i guess like there's obviously a push towards the education in terms of engineering mm. coding etc in those countries but also um you know there's a there's a level of flexibility i think so i'll you know i'll take pakistan as an example right where uh, women might traditionally have traditional roles and mm. um, they'll also be a homemaker you know they'll also have a lot of home expectations and that's fine you know but actually they can also end their living off kind yeah. of upwork and fiber and all sorts of stuff so actually it can work around them and I think that's one of the beauties of tech actually that it has this level of flexibility if companies allow that kind of allows people to kind of work around their lives because all they really need is a laptop and yeah definitely network. that's
0: it you know tech is almost and, and there's a couple of things i we meaning and to, to sort of jump in with as well it's like Tech, in some ways, where we are right now, like you said, it was only a few years ago we ever seen community roles pop up. For me, I felt the same way when I joined tech as well, similar time, 2013, 14, a little bit later. But I'd never heard of what product management was or business analysis. Like I had no idea that these sort of things were available in tech. I just thought, oh, I don't like coding. That's not the world for me, until I realized there was other opportunities and other skills that we need to, to sort of, you know, build great products. And I think. You know, in, in terms of replicating that for people in the UK, outside of the UK, wherever it is in the world, whether you're from a, a, a from a diverse background, like it's almost like this, like you mentioned, almost where Ada adventures, it's it's a wealth generating and 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 kind of you know it, it is changing the the game for people from traditional backgrounds. You can get into tech and get wealth yeah. now, and yeah. it, it is something that you can almost self learn. Either it is through your own back and doing online resources or through community groups like muslimic makers it can be used to build up other people of the community get people interested and and get people on the playing field with with money to invest in other I things think is,
1: is a very very kind of um, important important one because i think tech you know tech is well paid mm. um and you know once once you get there it will all of a sudden it could be kind of earning you know stuff that about,
0: like, <laughs> you can never imagine. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's And it's mad. I mean, obviously we work in government, so it's slightly different, but obviously, mm. you know, in terms of the private sector, it's, it's, it's honestly kind of mental and it, it's, mm. it's kind of mad. I um, think America's definitely that, however, the most mental. Like, one of my first roles was working in a Kony bootcamp for Makers and mm. I joined them like year two and now they're like probably nearly, well, 10 years old, maybe even, yeah. um, and, uh, you know, being an early employee, I obviously kind of um, you know when I when I left, I obviously um, bought some shares in the company and stuff. Now, if that company was ever to kind of IPO or get sell, at that point in time, I did not even know what I was doing. I was just like, yeah, fine, take my three hundred quid. I'm just going to yeah, try it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that, obviously now I understand the whole kind of process and stuff behind it, but actually, it is a bit mad to think, oh, if something was to happen, actually, I could just all of a sudden make a you know, a lot of money. Yeah, um, yeah. And that was Potluck, right? It was Potluck that I joined that startup at that time. You know, it was in its early days. Now, obviously, one of the best kind of coding boot camps out there. Mm. And it was Potluck that I kind of happened to join at the time I did as one of the first marketing hires after the director. Mm -hmm. So I guess I was there for two years and I kind of really kind of helped to kind of grow that brand. But that also was kind of my first foray in tech in terms of jobs because before that you know i, I accidentally ended up in in it through kind of building my own startup
2: yeah.
1: and one out of a charity so i try not to use the word i got lucky because often a lot of people from minority backgrounds do say that mm. um obviously it was a lot of hard work yeah also, i think for
0: me i always say yeah. along those lines is that you know look exists, but you can also yes. be prepared and ready for that opportunity. And opportunities will come out of somebody and, and work for you when exactly. you are ready to grab onto the nettle or, or whatever else and, and, and take it forward. It's, it's not just pot luck, and oh gosh, when well, I won the lottery and
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that, that that's very true. And I'm I'm very kind of conscious of sometimes the language I do use because I think I, I used to be very like yeah, pot like I even mean, just now, literally. You said, you know, a few minutes ago, I used the word up, mm. I shouldn't really be using that, actually. And actually, it is the thing of, like, you know, I have always been working hard and, and looking to grab opportunities. Yes, I happened to be in a time and place where, like, non-tech scene was taking off and, you know, mm. I, was getting, uh, I was being introduced to lots of different new things, um, which obviously meant that I ended up in the industry um, that I did, you know. Mm. It could have ended up going down a very completely different pathway.
0: Yeah, and, and, and it's interesting because like my my story is similar in some sense is that like a different route into tech and government, but it was luck. Like I, like I said, I didn't know what product manager was. I didn't know what these tech opportunities were. I joined the government on an apprenticeship scheme, so I left college, joined on something called the fast track apprenticeship yeah. scheme, um, and that was at the time only for business uh, administration. So it was a very generic. Kind of learn about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and other crap, and think well, what's that? Everything that everyone that I see is—I'm pretty sure it's a joke in people's Tinder profiles. But uh, the Myers Briggs—that was a, it's just yeah. really frustrates me. The Myers Briggs stuff. But uh, I'm assuming everyone's joking about it. But anyway, um, and when I was on that apprenticeship scheme, they gave us the opportunity to apply for the fast stream, which is the—you know—for people who aren't aware of the podcast and listening—is the UK government's flagship kind of graduate scheme and it's actually very highly rated top you know 10 of 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 rated sort of graduate schemes and it was a, it was a really interesting opportunity but i again only applied for digital as a second choice and that was the only one i got onto and just ended up working in digital and going hold on a minute like this is perfect like i love this it's exactly and i ended up doing product management like most of my way through government did about four or five years of that and i just find it interesting in some ways is that like we don't know what we don't know. Like I only got yeah. onto that apprenticeship scheme because I knew someone who was a civil servant and they got an email and, and passed it on to me. Like the reason why communities, and and I think this is another thing for like, you know, when I'm a hiring manager and, and when I'm looking to recruit people is being proactive where you share job adverts and get it out to communities. Yeah. You know, if you don't already work with organizations that can help you do this, then making those links. But, you know, a lot of the time, we just don't see what we don't see. So yeah. you're never going to find... A diverse group of candidates and start changing stuff that you might need to change in your industry or your organisation if you're not even getting the message out there.
1: I think change is really important and um, one of my stints actually in government was um, I kind of led and launched the number 10 innovation fellowship scheme and that was really interesting because it was a new kind of flagship government programme and you know being I guess the person behind it I got to kind of redesign the recruitment process um, mm. still obviously had to think be- you know, some civil service recruitment principle, all that stuff still obviously had to be met. But I got to kind of think inevitably and, and kind of, it kind of showed because the people we ended up recruiting came from very different backgrounds. And I think sometimes you have to think differently. You have to change up your recruitment processes slightly. You know, I, I created like, there was like a presentation that they had to do about kind of, you know, um, something they've done in their organisation to kind of help further diversity or something in the past. and mm-hmm. um, and I think it just really kind of allows you to kind of see a bit more into people or we also had people able to do a video application um as well again it opens up a very and sometimes I almost say like actually maybe because of what I design, maybe it's because of who I am um who I am and because a lot of the time these kind of doors have been closed for me that almost I was designing for something that where I thought like I could could kind of Someone like me would be able to kind of apply for something like this, mm. and I think that that kind of, you know, I just feel like it just opened more doors, and it just led to kind of more people applying for it, mm. um, and just kind of changing up government a bit. Because I, I'm an accidental civil servant. I applied for the role, didn't realise that would make me a civil servant, and then I was like, oh, I'm a civil servant now. All oh, right, I can't have political opinions on Twitter anymore. <laughs> 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 didn't really realise what I was signing up for, but mm-hmm. I was interested in the role at that time, which was the product management community role,
0: right? It's so, really interesting that. Because no, I yeah. feel like in the UK, you know, we don't have the same recognition of like federal governments that in the US, everyone kind of knows what it is in the US and the White House and Departments of Defence and whatever else. But in the UK, our interactions with, with government go as far as taking your kids to school and moan about your council tax and sort of everything else just happens in the background yeah. like that you don't really need to care about and you never really have to worry about. And I think it's interesting that, you know, you're right, you used to in the civil service and you get this long list of like, hello, welcome to the civil service. Here's the rules on like impartiality, the civil service code of conduct, like, you yeah. know, what to do at election time. And it, it is this weird culture. Like for me, because I, I joined, I was 18. So I did about yeah. eight years in government. Like, and, and even when I was going through college, I was a little bit in the generation of kids who use social media, but also it wasn't like I documented every moment and minute yeah. of my life. And I think taking that forward and and, and to be honest, it, it's been a little bit, I have to break it down a little bit and be a bit more honest and open online because I'm so used to like, oh shit, I can't say anything because I'm a civil servant. But I'm like, hold on, I'm not anymore. <laughs> I can actually <laughs> turn around and and say what I think. We'll get back to our interview soon, but I really want to highlight that it's not all doom and gloom in the world. So now is the part of the show where we shine a spotlight on companies, charities, and organizations that are contributing to making the world a better place. Supporting ethical businesses and charities that are doing good in the world is the easy way for all of us to also contribute when we're able to. This week's company is Scoot. Scoot are an ethical company that helps businesses, individuals, and communities reduce their carbon footprint. With Scoot, it's easy to take climate action today Just choose the solutions that work best for you and start building a cleaner, greener world to turn the race to the net zero. They have the Scoop Rideshare app, which allows you to plant trees while driving and organize carpools with others to avoid emissions. And for businesses that are out there, they also have developer API and Zapier integrations that allows you to put automated certified tree planting from as little as 12p per tree. So you can also offset the environmental impact of the products and services that you offer. It's great for, and and this is a bit of just a sudden from my point of view, and, and you may completely disagree, but, you know, it's great when people from minority backgrounds or people who, who have intersectional backgrounds in, in, in terms of, 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 you know, where they come from and they get to a position and they feel like, do you know what, I'm going to let the ladder down and help other people up. I do find it, and I don't know if you agree or not, but it's it's sometimes difficult, especially when you're inside these places and you're known for building communities and they're like, oh run the LGBT club or, 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 or get involved with this like POC thing. And the amount of times it just feels like like diverse washing or, or whatever term you come up with. And they don't really care. They don't give it any money, any time.
1: Yeah. And they just
0: say that people from these backgrounds should get involved because I don't know it's what you do. And it's like, do you know what? People who need to solve these problems are not people from my background. Yeah. They're the people who yeah. aren't letting us in already. And, you know, yeah. when are we going to get the white guys on the board spending all their time and effort trying to solve these things instead of people who have been asked to do it and volunteer to do it and then get ignored after publishing a report? Like, the amount of pieces of paper and and crap, like, kind of recommendations, things I've, I've come out with with groups in the civil service over the years that have just been, like, shredded as soon as I've sent the email is is bonkers. But, yeah, I, I think, I,
1: I, yeah, it's it's a real tricky one, right? right? It's almost like... Obviously that passion comes from being a person of color and, you know, you, you kind of probably have more to say and talk about your experiences. Mm. But the truth of the matter is it's about money at the end of the day. You yeah. can always literally say, Oh, you know, volunteer your time. Oh yeah. It's part one, your corporate objective, that kind mm. of stuff, right? But the truth of the matter is, unless you put money and invest in, in these people, in these communities or create the right schemes or, or et cetera, you're never those it's never going to progress and even if you do progress you're always feeling like you're always playing catch-up or you're always kind of you know
0: the worst of me is when you're the linchpin or the keystone to whatever it is that's happening and it's like okay we've got one great individual um who's who's sort of you know championed this and has spent all the time and effort we're not giving them any money but they're here and then you obviously leave for another job because you're good at what you do and it all just collapses behind you and it's just like why did we even bother? Like
1: <laughs> it's, it's, Yeah, it, it, and I think that's so that that's one of the kind of downpours of just kind of relying on kind of one person Like you need to have. Practice. I mean, community, community worlds actually is a really good example of that because often you are that linchpin, you're the one who has the networks, you know, who you speak in what organisation, what department, et cetera.
2: Mm.
1: And any time I've tried to do handovers, I've always tried to make sure like I document like my mm. contact list and be like, okay, this was for this, this was for that, et cetera, et cetera. Because, you know, otherwise, the next community person that's going to come along, they literally start from scratch again. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a similar thing with product management, actually. Like, you know, yeah. when you're a product manager, you do have to own everything about your end-to-end service, know who everyone is, about yeah. who to speak to about every problem. And then, like, you know, if you do leave and don't have a great handover or somebody's coming in after you go, all they've got is an Excel sheet of people. And that doesn't yeah. kind of give you the same amount of insight as... You know, doing a proper handover and knowing, oh, do you know what? If you ever get that niggly finance problem that actually causes an issue every quarter, just speak to this person they sort out that sort of thing. It is difficult to, to get across sometimes. So I'm interested. Obviously, we've talked about, you know, aid adventures and Muslimic and makers and all the different things you've done to help people in, in different backgrounds. Have you got any, like, interesting stories of individuals or, or even one of the startups that you funded where it's, like, gone, well, because we did it, it, it happened, and it made a big difference. And,
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess I can refer to the assignment because, um, sure. because it was a really interesting one because, you know, what started off as kind of like an informal community, you know, it was a very events-based community as well, I often say. Very event based um, mm-hmm. because that's, in a sense, how we built up the community Um, put on events. So, yeah, we had a Slack channel. It, was, it did its thing. People would connect, ask questions, mm-hmm. et on there during the pandemic however right, it really kind of pushed me to really kind of think like what's next what's more um you know how does it how do we I guess quantify our impact right um because it's very hard in these kind of spaces to kind of because a lot of the things happen through osmosis through you know people just chat to somebody and then they'll, before you know it they'll up their business so it's very hard to capture of mm. those stories so I actually like in 2020 we worked on a, a five-year impact before I was like right I actually need to do this I need to actually see all this energy and time that I put in like what has it actually kind of equated to mm. and I think it was really humbling um and just like really really kind of made really proud in terms of like obviously the positive feedback we had but actually kind of the stories and the anecdotes as well like um we had people kind of for example uh, in the present make we ran this own kind of I called it the Kickstarter program but before the government named a Kickstarter program this always happens every time I name something the government announces something which is literally the same name as yeah. like
0: what well, I know your SEO is out the window it's like fuck I'm never going to be able to get to the top of uh,
1: but it was it was it was it was a, a crazy disaster because one of my experiences, I guess, I, of working with the community, I realized that often people didn't really understand all the different kind of tech careers out there. So we kind of wanted to just create this introductory program. Now, the end goal of that program wasn't specifically to have people kind of get jobs because it wasn't mm. training people to that level, but we did enough that actually it led to somebody ending up on an analytics, um, you know, a graduate program. Somebody ended up as a user researcher. Because of the fact that we were able to expose them to the world. Like, I remember, uh, one lady, like, for her, it was, she came from a psychologist background, um, you know, she ended up having to take a career break due to personal reasons, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Mm-hmm. Was
1: trying to figure out stuff. And then actually user research ended up just being this, like, amazing path for her. Um, and actually, she ended up working in government, actually, <laughs> funny enough. Yes, yeah, so I think like it's those kind of stories or um, recently we actually partnered up with a, another Muslim charity who actually funded us to be the delivery partners to create we create tech scholarships um, for people to go to coding boot camps or do love cycle UX UI And mm. um, Those people have just finished the, the UX UI one. I remember receiving a message from one of the one of the ladies just being like you you have no idea how much this has changed my life you know like just even wealth wise you know i'm a single mom i was struggling etc etc now all of a sudden i'm already getting job offers, and it's those kind of stories for me that like literally make everything work okay knowing that actually this one little micro action or introduction etc has kind of led to uh, a pivotal, pivotal moment in somebody's life where, in a sense, they're now on a trajectory of earning well and mm. for their family. Um, those kind of stuff, it, it's where, like, I'm just like, oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it's that stuff for me that keeps it going. And, you know, the time, there's times when I want to pack it in, right? I want to just be like, <laughs> oh, I'm done. I'm done with this. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, after that impact report, I was able to secure some funding, uh, which was great because now I can, I'm can. i in a position where I can pay community members to kind of project manage. Obviously, they're, they're not paid so much, but, you know, I, I have a bit of money to deploy where I can hire people from my own community to actually do some work to help the community. And that's a really nice position to be in, but I'm now trying to become sustainable. And that's yeah. the hard bit for me because I never thought like a business I was just like this oh yeah we're volunteers we just that. You, you
0: add everything on the backlog don't you know and you're doing everything yourself and and you're yeah, sort of just like exactly. oh I wanted to yeah it's interesting you know because I, I mean I set up my consultancy six months ago and yes. you know there's only so much I can scale I can't do two job roles at the same time like you know if I'm actually delivering something I need to start thinking about okay how is this repeatable how can I replace myself with How do you somebody. create
1: Those processes, right? Yeah, the and, processes,
0: and that's it, yeah, yeah.
1: It's all about processes because I think often I I'm a doer. And mm-hmm. it comes with being a maybe a community builder, that I'm a doer is I get really dirty hands-on. I get involved in details, the really nitty-gritty, you know, putting stuff on the website, whatever it is, right? Like <laughs> I I I'm do it. kind yeah. of adjustable trades in that sense. But the problem is when I'm getting really caught up in the action is I'm never getting the chance to work on the business. I'm not sitting there thinking. Right, actually, if I got this amount of grant money, I now need to earn this money back because Mm. if I need to carry on at the pace that I am, or if I want to carry on paying people, etc., then I need to, you know, make sure that actually uh, we're getting X number of job postings per month because then that will create that sustainability. Or I'm getting this amount of annual sponsors or whatever it is just so that I can always have money in the bank so that it's I... It's the
0: most strategic view, basically, isn't it? Yeah, like, it's you, strategic. You know, when, you, when you're down in also, the weeds. <laughs>
1: yeah, being strategic hard. is one thing, but also, as I always say as well, it's, um, I know you're, you're going to hit on the sustainability stuff, but often, just again, like on the business sense and a personal sense, when you put a little time and effort into oh. something, you don't want it to die, right? You don't yeah, want it yeah. to die because you put so much energy into it. It's had so much impact in the community and, you know, you'd be recognized for it and all sorts of like great stuff has happened, but then also your personal life. And I, and I think it's really important to kind of mention that because when I started in Makers, I was young, I was single through the last five years, I've gotten married, I've just had a baby. My life is very different from yeah. when I first started it. So the time and energy I may have put in for free right then at the beginning sense, It doesn't work now. I now need it to either start covering, well, cover its costs is one thing, but also stop paying me. You know, it's important because if I'm a bit like, if I want to go full-time on it, say if I'm not going back to the service, I will just for my employer that is currently listening. Um, (laughs) But, you know, just these are obviously things on my head where I'm like, okay, or how do I make it work around me and my family? You know?
0: Anything we do in life has to be sustainable. And, you know, as much as I talk about like again climate sustainability if that is such a challenge or is at the bottom of your backlog or isn't helping you paying your bills like focusing all the time and energy on on that isn't sustainable like partly the reason i I started this podcast is because i was just fed up of being told to recycle plastic and turn off my lights at home when there are bigger things out there causing the issues we're dealing with you know it's large corporations with emissions it's the concrete industry which is accelerating, you know, the amount of carbon being released into the air and everything else. It's like at the end of the day, like me doing this inane thing, spending X hours a week to make a very small impact isn't going to change the outcome or isn't going to, you know, change the world. And I feel like whatever we do, oh, well, and then the other thing, again, you know, mentioned this earlier is that we all shouldn't feel this responsibility to go out and, and have to tackle these problems because we should honestly make our world smaller in some senses. This is the one of the things I find sometimes is when you're on Twitter or you're scrolling through social media and you see everything that's going on in the world and it's like this attack of, of like, worry about that, do this, why aren't you doing more, blah, 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 blah. And it's like if we just started to make our worlds a little bit smaller and said, okay, I care about my friends who are around me, I care about my family and my children, I these are the people I interact with, I actually have a conversation down at the local shop rather than opening Twitter and arguing with someone online. Like, I feel like that would be a lot better for a lot of people. Um, and and yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't don't worry about saying that, you know, you need to make what you do sustainable because, and again, it comes back to money. Like, if yeah. people want Islamic makers to exist, then they will give it money and will give, you know, you the opportunity to, to put your time and effort into it. And, you know, I think I'm glad that you did something like the five-year impact report because that's the biggest problem in these not they're not nice to have they are like yeah. fundamental we need these things to exist but when you can't measure the impact very well it's not yeah. as easy as i made 10 million pounds on your return yeah people just no, exactly. it's like...
1: so hard when you're um, i always say like we build people and when you build people it's not like product right you can't sit being like oh we had x amount of hits x amount of downloads this happened this was the conversion that kind of stuff mm. it's so hard because the you know somebody entering the community in year one they might not get to their goal till like year five right yeah so it's 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 one of those things and often what happens is you know a series of things happen to them and then they might actually forget that actually the thing that triggered their journey was exactly this and so it's it can be really hard to get those stories out of people and you know putting that impact report was hard because i was going back in time and i always say to like other communities and and stuff that make sure you're always collecting your impact on the go, even if you do, yeah. don't do anything with it, design impact as part of your processes. So, um, we're actually going to be doing an introduction to product management course soon and a data nice. science one actually as well. Um, and as part of the process, it's going to be like, you know, when people get accepted onto the course to get accepted on the- they're going to have to fill the pre impact form, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that at the end of it, I can do the post impact form and then I'll have that data, regardless of if I get around to publishing it or not. At least I have that mm. data so that if I ever need to go to funders or sponsors or anything like that, I have that stuff at the back of, back of my pocket.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and you know, you mentioned a good point to I me, and I'm almost forgetting, like, you know, coming from a product manager background as well. It's like, you can automate some of this stuff. Like I don't know the exact name of it, but there's a testimonial tool where you can like integrate into your emails and basically if they just record a testimonial with their yeah. story, it can just be easily uploaded or, or put on your website Just design
1: it as part like, of the process is yeah, what yeah, i it. Say is Don't do it as this thing at the end that people have to
0: do. Design it
1: yeah. as part of the process. And that way you're collecting the stuff as you go along.
0: Let's talk about the charity. We've talked about it already. We 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 we've mentioned it loads, but you know. As part of appearing on the f- podcast as a thank you. Uh, we'll be donating £500 to Muslimic makers. You know, I guess we know why. What impact might that have?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, we um, spoke about sustainability, right? So I think it just kind of helps us in terms of the sustainability stuff, because I think for us, it's, um, as the money comes in, you know, it kind of allows us to kind of either pay people, hire people, freelancing, etc., Um mm-hmm. You know, recently, for example, we had a guide that we actually launched to educate employees on Ramadan. So, you know, the fact that we can actually pay people to help us produce either quality content or mm-hmm. help project manage certain projects, it just kind of um, pushes things further along the line and just, yeah, make sure that I'm not burning out. So, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah,
0: that's good. I mean, talking about like kind of dealing with Ramadan while you're an employee in tech, like yeah. it's something that I had never even thought about, worried about, and especially as, you know, every 30-ish years, is that the cycle? You know, you have to go through the dead heat of summer. And, you know, for certain people doing that in the middle of your career when you basically can't even eat in the day and still have to go to work and you're not getting really time off. And it's just one of those things, again, having people from more diverse backgrounds involved allows you to consider that, you know, if your your policies do not allow you to be flexible enough and you can't yeah. work remotely or, you know, there's a weird response to, like, you know, maybe just taking a day off during that time, like, that's that really sort of, you know, over the top, then you're not going to attract Muslim workers yeah. and, and yeah. people are going to leave. You, that's
1: what <laughs> it's shown in our community as well, where people really appreciate when employers um, do take that um, initiative or to give flexible hours and that can mm-hmm. be flexible hours in the sense where somebody might want to work from the morning, i.e. four AM when they wake up to start their mm-hmm. class, or it might be actually I don't want to start till midday mm-hmm. and i work till till the evening. And people really respect that. And that's in the sense how you end up retaining that time. Because Ramadan mm-hmm. is such a big thing for us every single year, you know, for a whole month. That mm-hmm. actually if employees take the you know, take that initiative and take that signal, it just kind of helps everyone.
0: Yeah, because it's not an uncommon thing. Like you just said, it happens every year to a large proportion of And every of the year we the same
1: questions, like not yeah. <laughs> this, do this, and it's just like, that's why we created this guide, so that employers could actually learn about Ramadan, but also take proactive steps to kind of help their Muslim employees in the workplace.
0: That's great. And then the final thing then, so from you to our listeners, uh, and, and those listeners, hopefully, are, or anyone who's interested in this, but aim towards developers and senior leaders in tech. Uh, what would be your tip for living or working in a more sustainable way, environmentally, just anyway? I guess.
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting one. So, I, I think for me, it's, um, I think it's, it's often like the small things add up. And I think you know, I'm like personally now like trying to be a bit more conscious in terms of my recycling. Like I used to be quite lazy before, you know. Just taking those kind kind of steps, or like you know, in my house, like just you know having a reusable water bottle, and Mm. you know, trying not to kind of buy plastic water bottles, um, you know, or take my water bottle when I'm out and about. Mm. I think those kind of small things can go a long way. And I'm not the best like hand on heart like the best environmental type person. It's even in university days it was kind of the cause that was the, the one that I cared about the less. Mm-hmm. However, um, you know now I'm a bit more educated. I'm more, more conscious of it. I'm still not there yet. Um, yeah. So it's definitely something that I'm constantly, I guess, educating myself about as well. But also, yeah, sometimes convenience, um, you know, does kind of. Oh yeah, take, take I mean. Yeah,
0: you know, if we were the most sustainable and environmentally friendly, we'd have all of our children in reusable diapers, but that is not sustainable. <laughs> oh, yeah, sustainable yeah no, no.
1: That life. was another thing. I did actually consider that. I did actually consider that. And I, and I think I even looked into it. But I'm just like, no, I'm no, a first time no. mom. I am not making my life any more harder. Yeah. And, you know, I was to my husband, I thought maybe for the second kid, we could potentially consider it. But now just not having it. Yeah. Just, you know, there's already
0: so much to do. Exactly. That's it. There's so much to do in so many different parts of our lives. And, you know, thank you for being honest. I mean, I'm I'm very similar in some senses. And, 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 you know, for me, I think what you're saying, it's these small habit changes that will make a longer term impact. You know, we can't go out and buy a load of stuff, become zero waste and have reusable bamboo cutlery and like and, and, and change these massive things if it's, again, not sustainable because you'll just fall out of love with
1: it. You've only do what you control, right? Yeah. As we know, it's the corporates that are often the culprits, right? It's the corporates <laughs> that sort are of the culprits. They're the ones who are often actually putting putting out, you know, higher emissions and stuff. We can't control them, right? Mm-hmm. We, we, may lobby, we can potentially lobby and do all that kind of stuff. Yeah, cool, that has its time and place, but what can you do today, right? Mm-hmm. And I think... Sometimes you just kind of need to just focus on what you can do personally. Yeah,
0: what you um, could do and be happy. That's what I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much. It's been no really worries. lovely to speak to you and, and go into fun. so much yes. detail where if, if people want to hear more from you where could they go and find you what links
1: yeah what sure uh, so this is probably the best place so that's off underscore two, um or offerfruit.com that's my website that has links to it everywhere i am on the internet linkedin etc and then obviously basalmicmakers.com the if you want to kind of find out more about the makers
0: brilliant and we'll put all those links in the show notes below so thank you so much and have a lovely rest of the day
1: there is. thank you so much
0: public cloud for public good was brought to you today by MBU, a cloud sustainability consultancy based in the uk that was a really interesting conversation on community building and how we can help others into tech if there's one thing that you could do for me this week it would be to think back on all those you've interacted with whether it is few or, or many that you may have helped into tech in the past and, and just go reach out and have a conversation and say hello you know, those conversations and, and those stories are the things that keep us going sometimes. And somebody reached out to me on LinkedIn recently just saying I interviewed them for their first job in the civil service and how, you know, they're still working there in a career now. And, you know, they they thanked me for the opportunity. And it is those things that kind of do keep us going. And like Arthur said, they're great to hear every once in a while. So if you don't have any of those stories or no one to reach out to, then you know what you need to do as well is, is go and make that happen in the future. Push down the ladder and, and help people up and, and let's help other people into tech and, and this community.